Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Very good. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Gary. And this is Daniel. Tonight, I want to talk about an interesting topic. I want to talk about eroticized rage. Now, I'm not a therapist. None of us are therapists, but this is a this is a topic that has really affected me in my acting out years, and I'm realizing now how much it's actually uh, how much it's actually sort of affected me. Um, <clears throat> I had an experience I want to share, and each one of us, I think, you know, we've had probably our own experiences with eroticized rage, but I had a very interesting experience here just recently that that, that really sort of illuminates this topic. Um, I'm of a believer and have heard from my counselor that if I'm willing to look at, and I believe, I believe the author of much of the literature we all, we all listen to and read, uh, points out that if we're willing to look at the kind of acting out behavior and the kind of fantasies that we experience, that that will tell us an awful lot about who we are and where some of these things came from. And there's a lot of history. There's a lot of understanding that goes on in those particular things. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I had heard the term multiple times and really didn't really understand it. I know that as I met with my counselor and he talked about eroticized rage, I didn't really, I knew that it fit my environment simply because of my acting out behavior with my spouse and some of the things like that. Uh, but this last trip, I, I took a trip uh, back east uh, to meet with some clients and uh, they happened to be female. Uh, some of the people that I needed to meet with were female. In fact, in one of those circumstances, I had lost a client. And it was a female who had made the decision that I didn't think was right. And so as I tried my best to sort of talk them out of leaving, um, I found myself getting angry about this whole circumstance. Uh, my next appointment was to meet with another uh, client that I thought that I could pick up work from, uh, a sizable amount of work. And, and I found that uh, as I, the conversation was progressing that they were less and less interested in providing uh, opportunities for us as a result of just not simply not meeting their needs, not giving them exactly what they want. And I found myself a little bit enraged over the whole entire thing. Uh, and as the day wore on, I went home later that night and the self-talk started mm-hmm. and the fantasy actually started. And what I found myself thinking and doing during that period of time was, was behavior that I'm actually a, a little shy, a little embarrassed about admitting on a podcast, but I found myself thinking very seriously about painful, harmful, sexual acting out ways with these people. Uh, and I found myself even to some extent self-talking like it's, it was sort of coming out of my mouth. And I remember in my room that night catching myself multiple times saying, wow, Mike, where on earth are you at? What is, seriously, that's some, that's some pretty ugly stuff yeah. you're saying and thinking and doing. And it dawned on me this concept of eroticized rage. And so oftentimes how it is that my mind instantaneously takes the experience of what I'm experiencing during the day and it pulls that in and uses the information, the experience of that period, to then come out with this this experience like that in a way that's ugly mm-hmm. and uh, not who I want to be and certainly counterproductive to my recovery and all of those things. And so I, my mind went back immediately to this experience of reading in some of the literature that we read that says this is what eroticized rage is. It's this ability to take, you know, process some of what's going on in my own experience with things that are happening immediately 
and then literally creating that through a, a, a just a messy mind, if you yeah. will, a, a, and and coming out with that, and uh, and coming out with this experience the way it came out, and I was stunned at where I was at in my own behavior, and so I had to kind of walk back off of that a little bit and and realize what that was. That's a that's just a that's not a good place to be. No. <clears throat> I'm just curious from your own experiences. What was your experiences? Did, did rage ever participate? Was that something that you experienced in your recovery? Was it not? Well, um, I've certainly had a lot of experience with what I would call revenge fantasies. Wow. You know, uh, different things like something would happen beyond my control or something would go bad with the business I was in at the time. And, you know, then I would... Uh, have all kinds of fantasy based thinking where <coughs> excuse me where I don't know I'd conceive of all these different ways that I could exact revenge or get even or or mm-hmm. I don't know have you ever I, I think I experienced I, that absolutely. you know and and it, and it looked like all kinds of different things yeah. sometimes it was I remember once very clearly thinking you know what I could go shoot myself in the head in their office wow. and let them find me you know and and then I would let that play out for a while. And then a lot of times having those kind of things. Now, fantasy-based thinking for me has, is always any any kind of fantasy-based thinking that I have, if I let that play out long enough, will eventually become erotic. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? And so a lot of those kind of things um, would eventually, you know, uh, develop into uh, acting out behavior. Yeah. For Interesting. sure. I was just surprised how it was that it took it took the circumstances that I was experiencing at that point in time, filtered that through a distorted brain, a distorted uh-huh. thinking process, to arrive at something that was so ugly and so bad that uh, that I fantasized about. Uh-huh. That I that uh-huh. I arrived at a place where, you know, I never ever contemplated shooting myself in the head at the office of somebody else, and I and yet I can I can think of multiple times in my experiences where I was so angry at clients or whatever, and thinking, oh, if I just did this or if I just did that. But this this one was very interesting in the fact that it became sexualized. Right. I had never experienced that. I well, that I was aware of. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that I had, but this one this one was very clear and very vivid and very distorted. To arrive at a place where I was sexualizing, hurting somebody else. Huh. Yeah. Well, and, you know, from my work, uh, I've discovered that it doesn't have to uh, actually be tied to sex. You know, like uh, my ex had set specific boundaries of, like, I wasn't allowed in the bedroom. Um, but I had gone, you know, I had the, the, the keys one day and I had gone and made a copy of the key to the bedroom. So I had a copy and then I would go in there into the bedroom when she wasn't around. Uh, that, you know, by definition, speaking with our counselor, it was eroticized rage. There was another point because we weren't having sex. We weren't being intimate that I decided to put a, a, a small nanny cam in the master ba- bathroom when I knew she was going to be in there again. You know, that definitely fits in the definition. Right. And there is, going back and looking, there's a lot of different moments that it, I mean, it wasn't a full out, you know, vengeful sex type thing, but it was still, you know, enough of a, a tie to that, that it was definitely that anger was playing out, whether it was passive aggressive, it was, you know, that cold anger manner or whatever, um, you know. Whether it was making some snide comment of, well, you know, you never hug me or you never kiss me or, you know, 
it, it was those little things. It was that yeah. eroticized rage that was coming out. Um, you know, I remember one point where she was, you know, complaining that it had been, you know, um, you know, over a year since we'd had sex. And I just remarked, well, it's not my fault. I'm the one that's uh, been sitting here waiting. You're the one that's closed the door on that one. And yeah. you know, just realized, wow, that was kind of a crappy comment on my yeah. half. And that was that rage coming out instead of, you know, asking, you know, talking to her about her feelings and kind of being there in that place. I, uh, I oftentimes, and I, as I've shared some of those experiences, even with my wife, I was, I, and I, I don't know that I consciously did these things, but mm-hmm. subconsciously I was doing these things only because anger was the, anger was the thinking the area that allowed course. me to get to a place where I would, I would act out in the fact For sure. that I would act out. And so I would start off in the morning with, you know, I'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning and start, you know, ruminating about work and the things that I hadn't been able to get accomplished. And so instantly my mind takes over with, hey, well, I can interrupt that. Let's go to sexual thinking. And so I would start thinking sexual thoughts. By 6 o'clock, I was pretty wound up. Um, and then, of course, when it, the, the alarm goes off and it's time to wake up, I'm now, I've been awake for several hours and, and put my, my wife in, a, in a, just an absolute impossible po- a way right. of asking for sex at that point in time as though, like, that's going to happen knowing full well that that wasn't going to happen. And then she, of course, would refuse me and I would get angry, which would give me sufficient anger then to drive to work and to act out. That I can relate to a lot. And I did yeah. that a lot. And I, and again, I don't know that I consciously thought that's what I was doing, but I certainly subconsciously did and knew full well that, that was the pattern. By the time I had reached work, I was pretty well amped up. I'd spent the time on the, in the drive down looking at every car and every person you know mm-hmm. in the car and billboards and everything else in the 30 minute drive that I had to find myself completely amped up and angry absolutely visibly worked up and angry uh, which affected my relationships obviously with those that I work with and, and things like that but by the time I hit work I was now spending the time looking for the opportunity to act out yeah spending the time necessary now, see, I to can that happen I can relate to um, <coughs> excuse me I can relate to that uh, but I, there were times that I knowingly, you know, by design created situations where I could get angry and really? then, you, oh, oh yeah. yeah. And then, and then use that as fuel to go act out. I would, I, I would very intentionally, uh, create no win situations, which is what I was yeah. doing. Right. But I was aware that I was doing it too. Interesting. Interesting. Well, hmm. that's a, and it, and it could have been things like, you know, if I, if I get her mad, or if she, if I can get to the point where she thinks that I'm mad, then she'll leave me alone and won't question me when I'm, won't want to talk to me while I'm gone. Right. Or yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. That's some messed up stuff. Yeah. That's some serious distorted thinking. Yeah, it, it is. Interestingly enough, I, well, what? Uh... You know what? And something, something strange. I was, I was thinking about like the revenge fantasies and things like that, and and that's something I think that most of them have in common was is that is that they all seem to have elements of me being able to take control or have power. Yes. You know, and that that l- looked very different, you know, over the course of the years, but they all seem to have that same element to them. Yes. I think uh, one of the things I want to bring out for most of our listeners is, is that uh, um, because I... As, as I suspect that many of our listeners are, are thinking to themselves, well, wait, how does that fit into my world? I, I, anger is an interesting 
anger is an interesting thing that we deal with. Is when we emote yeah. to that level, there's something we've heard multiple times that anger is this secondary emotion, right. yeah. not a primary emotion. And so, so we want to point that out to all of our listeners that if you're experiencing tremendous amounts of anger um, in your relationships with other people, what causes what's driving that? And and you know the first immediate response most of us will have is to say, well, she did this to me. Or she acted this way and it affected right. me that way. <laughs> or uh, this person or my kids did yeah. this to me. The reality of it is is that none of those people can drive us to that point. Right. That's yeah. A, no, I mean, for me, the driving force, you know, let's use the example that, that I gave, was, you know, I, I was feeling really sad. I was feeling sure. disconnected, uh-huh. lonely. Um, I was, you know, feeling not wanted and desired, like I was being shut out of my own relationship. Um, and so really, at the end of the day... What you're saying then is is that anger really was masking an insecurity yeah, on your yeah, side. Sure. Yeah, of the it was fan. definitely insecurity. I, and I think for for me, a lot of times it was I would use anger to mask uh, embarrassment, sure, yeah, yeah. or being hurt, yep. sure. You know, a couple others that were. Oh yeah, that was that's the the easiest one to go to. You know, if someone says something and you feel hurt, so it's you immediately re- lash back out with anger right. in that defense mechanism, like you know, or and then you start pointing the finger at them, like no. You're the problem, or X, Y, Z. Shame, gaslighting. Yeah. yeah, shame was another one. Yes. If I felt shame, I could get angry, and because oh, yeah. yeah, and I'd get angry so I didn't have to feel or deal with those other things. Yeah. Right. Because the anger was less unpleasant. <laughs> well, I think it's it it masks that feeling. Yeah, you because know, it's easy to be angry and feel that intensity to hide. The embarrassment, the shame, and those other feelings. And do you know what? It's 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 such a big factor, you know, that it's part of that acronym HALT. You know, right. when you're in a right. bad place, you're supposed to HALT, you know, and yeah. see if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. tired and, right. and anger is one of those things. That, so it's really prominent activating. It also gives us kind of a false yeah. sense of control. Yes. Um, I think that's why we default to that so well, because then we can feel like we're in control by uh, humiliating or embarrassing the other person and trying to bring them down to our level. Right. I've had some interesting uh, observations as I've watched others in some of these groups who come from perspectives that I don't relate to. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of those specifically is self-loathing. I don't know that I've ever found myself really as a self loathing individual and yet i'm realizing more and more that i have tremendous amount of insecurity right Uh, so when i hear somebody talk about their self-loathing experience i'm I'm instantly i'm kind of like yeah right i don't get that i don't make Uh doesn't make sense but interestingly enough uh the grandiosity and arrogance that i come from and the self-loathing that an individual comes from both are masked by one common thing Anger, anger, yeah. Yeah. which is really interesting to me. It's this: how is it that you can be a self-loathing individual and that you're embarrassed by, you know, embarrassed by your own insufficiencies or at least your own insecurities in those areas, and yet you immediately mask that with this just absolute outburst of anger? And I can think of a handful of people in some of our groups where that's exactly what happens. Mine, on the other hand, is is this: it's this grandiose grandiose idea like I'm the smartest person in the room and somebody has challenged that and instantly I come at it with anger to you know to quell any kind of question of you know hey look let's make it perfectly clear you know that's how and that's how I deal with stuff or I gaslight or I do whatever if you look at it it's the same thing just on the polar opposite exactly you know one I'm inflating myself so much that you know I'm the, the best person in the room the other one is I'm deflating myself so much that I'm the worst person in the room 
the same tool works. I, it's interesting to me that so many people, that's a go-to for them. Oh, yeah. I think that's a really interesting thing. Uh, one of the other things that I've discovered in my family of origin is uh, sarcasm. Um, Shane's pretty good about, or my mm-hmm. counselor is pretty good about, the fact that he identifies that sarcasm is really just two layers deep. Sar- yeah. Sarcasm is actually masking anger, which is masking this true this true uh, uh, emotion that I may be feeling. Yeah. So all of those are very interesting to me just because uh, I think every one of us have experienced anger to some extent. In yeah. our, and, and, and one of the best things we can do is address that head on. That's one of the first things I think that, that as recovery started to take over, anger and defensiveness and all of those things needed to subside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so interesting. Did you, uh, uh, as you ex- as you experienced recovery, as that sort of went along, how did you recognize the fact that okay, I'm I'm getting I'm emoting here, I'm I'm getting angry, I need to back this off. I and, and really, why am I getting so defensive about what you're saying? Oh, I think I was taught to slow the process down and recognize that when I was angry, I needed to ask why, and I was challenged to play this little know your why's game. You know, and you got to ask it usually about five times before you get to the bottom of it. Really? Oh, yeah. And so that you can understand it. So, you know, I'm angry. Why am I angry? You know, and then you, you keep asking the question why until you can't answer it anymore. And you can't answer with I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know. The cop-out answer. The cop-out answer. Lazy answer. You can't answer with that. But but I found, I found that once I started to address that, that there was, you know, why are you angry? Well, because I was embarrassed. Why were you embarrassed? Because I did this. And it was wrong, and I knew it, you, you know. Sure. And, and, and so then I focused a lot on okay, instead of being angry, I'll figure out what's underneath it, and I'll deal with that, you know, or I'll attempt to deal with that. Right. And, and I think that that's had had a, you know a lot of success. You yeah. know, I don't get I don't get angry like I used to, not anywhere close. Wow. Yeah, I do the you same know. thing. It's, why? Uh, even even if it's not anger, it's like, okay, I, yeah, that's, why am I feeling sad right now? Yeah. Um, I, and I've even started to use it with my kids. Like, okay, why is my son, why did my son bite my daughter? You know, yes, he's four. That's a, a normal thing, but why? You know, and then I'll ask him. And then eventually it's like, well, she took this and I asked it for it back. And she said no. And you know, so he gets to a point where he's just so frustrated he doesn't know how to right. voice that. So he reacts, and it's kind of the same so way. <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of the same way. But instead of, you know, it's like, okay, now that I know this, what am I going to do? You know, and instead of yelling at him, I'll just sit there and talk to him. You know, it's not okay to bite. You know, I understand you couldn't express that, but next time, come tell me, you know, that you asked her for your toy back and she refused to get it, and I'll get it for you. Um kind of that asking the why kind of breaks things down because you know in the past i probably would have got yelled and screamed like why the crap did you bite her and you yeah. know maybe spanked him on the time. butt or sent him to his yeah. room that doesn't help anything you know and he's just he'll sit in there crying and then and know, get then resentful get, and yeah and then you'll get resentful and i'll yell at my daughter for not giving me a stupid toy because it yeah. was just that easy and then she's all upset crying in her room and when asking the why's it came to a point where Okay, we're not going to do that. She's not going to do that, and the biting is isn't happening as often. But and I didn't get into a, a strung up place because the rest of the day would have been crap for me. Sure, because I would have been stressed out about that, and it, it 
it seems to help at least in this situation to kind of slow down break things down and understand what's going on and where i'm at and where Mm -hmm. they're at something else um i quickly came to recognize particularly in my sessions with my therapist that when i began to feel angry i started to recognize that as a uh as a uh all right gary you need to slow down and pay attention because what's happening is very important because you're responding, you're responding this way. In that way. You know, why are you responding that way? Whatever he's saying right now is probably something you need to be doing and aren't. Wow. You know, and that, I, you know, that's a huge insight because most of us, when we get, when we hit that spot where we're angry about okay. something, our, our immediate response to that is, is, well, I yeah, push to shut down. shut down. But I, I used it as a no, you need to engage and, Man, I can't tell you. And that, that's where that whole ah, dang it moments came from because I'd say, dang it, now I've got to, now I have to engage and really try to listen yes. to what's going on and find out what I'm missing. And yeah. I knew that whatever was coming, it was going to, I wasn't going to like it, but I needed to hear it. And that actually was an extremely powerful tool. And I hated it every time it happened, but. Yeah, thanks for that one. Yeah. No, I do it every time now, Good. too. It's like, I'll just sit there and I'm like, crap, dang it. And he's like, what? I'm like, Gary's right. I have to do this. <laughs> now I, so now I got to pay though. attention because there's something going on here that it's... I'm, I'm emoting like, here in a way. Well, yeah, I, I'm getting emotional or I'm getting defensive or I'm like feeling like I'm just done. I want to leave. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so it's like, okay, there's something he's really close to. Yeah. And so... And I need to know I what it is. I need to know what that is yeah. and I need to get through whatever this, this wall or this barrier is because if I walk out of here, it's going to... Yeah. It's going to sink back down to the bottom, and who knows when it's going to come back up. Interestingly enough, then, I mean, she, as we talked about, a lot of times the anger comes from people outside of our universe that are that are talking to us mm-hmm. or expressing something, and, and oftentimes we're holding them at an arm's length, and they're, yeah. they're hitting on something that's causing us to, ang- yes. to, to, to get to anger. And what we really need to do then is really should be listening to them because these are our outside voices that are saying, you've got this going on in your world that's not... That's not working out. A yeah. wife is a fantastic person to point that out, to, to say, look, you know, you're not meeting the obligations. You're not doing the things you need to be doing. And you don't want to hear that. Have That's you guys, and I think I've used this on both of you guys ever got the second question? Or oh, now you've oh, yeah. earned the second question. <laughs> yes. That's, that's where this had its origins. No kidding. Yeah. I would be getting angry and, you know, my wife would ask me a question and I'd start to get angry. And, no. And she says, do you want to try that again? Do you need the second question? It's like, uh, it's yeah, okay. I, I still remember that Dang phone it. call. It's like, you've graduated to the point of asking the second you question. Get the like, sec- what the heck is that? <laughs> you get the second question. Now. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. No. How yeah. are you, Gary? I'm fine. Are, are you? you? <laughs> the second question. The second question. Is. No, okay. I mean, I think it's it's valid when we're, we're feeling angry or defensive, uh, especially when a wife is saying something yeah. or, or someone. There's something coming to the surface, exactly. you know, that we've had suppressed or something we don't want to talk about. And that's kind of, you know, like I said. Good indication. Maybe it's time it's to talk about It's indication to kind of either open that door or work and talk about that because who knows when it's going to come up again right. you know, and we may miss a, a, a golden opportunity. Yeah. I think we've talked about anger. We've talked about sarcasm, but let's talk about defensive. I think that's uh, oh. I think that's right hand in hand with Man. that. <laughs> <laughs> I am really good at being defensive. defensive. Do you know what? I think I think, it's a, first of all, I think it's a human trait. I think yes. every one of us has experienced not, yes. it. Not only that, I think it can manifest itself in a lot of ways. Right. I mean, both your sarcasm and your anger could be 
They are a defense mechanism. Uh, you know, defense mechanism. Certainly. Yeah. But just simply being defensive yeah. is a defense mechanism. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Even though we may not necessarily emote, it may not, it may not come out as anger or anything right. like that. But just simply saying, oh, look, that's a, you're, you're, you're standing on my one good nerve, you know? <laughs> right. What are you talking about? You're crazy. I'm not doing that. That's gaslighting. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many defense mechanisms. Yeah. Um, but just but being, being defensive. defensive, just being defensive. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> I have a very unique response to being defensive. I discovered for myself in, in the world of intellectualization that if I filled the room full of words and literally provided no space or oxygen for her to be able to talk, I wouldn't hear anything from her. And I did that a lot. Yeah, I didn't realize right. I did that as often as I did until... You know, until my counselor called it out multiple times, saying, "This is exactly what you're doing. This is a this is an intellectual process for yeah. you instead of a instead of a heartfelt communication." And and uh, that's taken some time. That's so some so something time. I've realized just recently uh, was a de- defense mechanism. For, so for the longest time with my ex, I would start to be vulnerable. She would get triggered, and then suddenly, you know, I could tell that she was emotional and she was talking about. I need to talk about this. And I would jump over to start being there for her. I, I'm realizing that was a defense mechanism because I didn't have to be vulnerable anymore. Sure, and I right. could easily now pin it on her that, well, you didn't let me finish. Right, right. And my emotion, you know, I didn't matter. It, it replayed that, that feeling of I don't matter. My feelings mm-hmm. don't matter. But I'm realizing I could have easily just said, hey, wait, it's let my me turn. finish. Then we can go to you. I understand this is bringing up stuff, but let me finish. But I never did that. Huh. Um, and I, I realized that it was a huge defense mechanism that I used because then I didn't have to and I had the excuse that I didn't because... And then the resentment could be there. The anger could be there. Right. You know, and, but totally, it was me. I, I realize that now more than anything. That was totally me. I've just come to the realization that we're a bunch of sick bastards. really messed up do you want i want want everybody to know that right now i really resisted the uh the impulse to get defensive as a joke but i'm not mature enough to let it go i had to say it so i could get it in the back door well i mean it's an interesting it's a really interesting well it's interesting how how nice. Thank you. How simple. You're not wrong. Things we Dang can it. we can we can turn things into a defensive weapon. Sure. You know this yeah. clearly. You know this whole time I always blamed her, mm-hmm. but realizing wow I totally was using it as a defense to not be vulnerable, um, and I don't think I would have ever realized that had I not put in the work I have. Right. Um, right. Because it's just so much easier to say oh no she it was her fault she always just walked over everything. Yeah. Interesting. Wow, what an interesting topic. It really has been interesting to, to sort of walk through. And now to look at some of these things from a recovery perspective to say, wow, I I did that. I'm oh, a yeah. little embarrassed to admit that. But just like to, it's just like we started off at the top of the hour, I'm embarrassed to say what I did and what the thoughts that I had about these relationships, uh, the, these, these work yeah. relationships in, in my travel experiences because it really illuminated, it really opened up the world to how sick I really am yeah. and how, how, how I really needed to be working on these particular things. I think the message literally is, is that for anyone who's struggling with a topic of addiction, sexual addiction, or particularly any addiction, I suppose, mm-hmm. but if we're willing to look at what it is we're fantasizing about, what it is that we're thinking about, it will illuminate 
some areas of our life that really need some air, some some work. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm totally embarrassed of the things I've done. Um, but looking back, it's like, what sane person would have done that? Right. Um, but I wasn't sane in those moments. But now I'm getting some of that, cl- you know, clear thinking and sanity yeah. back. Um, but it's amazing how, you know the web we've we've spun right. around ourselves <laughs> with the this you know our thinking errors and everything and this incorrect thinking and false beliefs there we can take something like what we've done and think that that's rational right. and and totally normal uh, and others are doing the exact same yeah. thing and, you know cuz that's our, that's our perspective yeah. you know cuz we're doing it Every, others everybody must be. must be doing it when it's like no john doesn't do that <laughs> but in my thinking, I believe John does that. And I think, you know, every other guy out there does that. Right. And it's just like, no, that's not the case. It's just so not the case. It's, it's crazy. But I think we're out of time. We are. We are. How but I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I'm, I'm much further away from that thinking. And I'll just keep working. Me too. Thanks for joining us. Yes. And thanks for the yeah. the, the topic. It was an enjoyable topic. You brought the topic. I did. <laughs> and he delivered. Thanks for at least for sharing it with me. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a long night with him. <laughs> with that, this is Mike saying, do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. <laughs> this is Gary saying, do the next right thing. And this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12thsteppodcast at gmail.com. That is 1-2-T-H-STEPPODCAST at gmail.com. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out SAA dash recovery dot org.